welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode of Contractor Evolution from Breakthrough Academy. In this episode, Igor and Danny talk with Piers Dormeyer, president of construction and utilities at Eagle View, about how the contracting tech space has changed in the last 15 years and the process you should be using to both select and integrate new software into your business. Hey everyone, welcome back to Contractor Evolution. Igor and Benji here. Now, if you have been a contractor for even a short period of time, you've no doubt noticed that technology is changing the game and fast. There are technologies and softwares that are purpose-built to help you with nearly every aspect of your business, from lead gen to estimating, uh, bookkeeping to HR management, from inventory organization to time tracking. No matter what it is, there's some platform out there that's gonna help you with it. And if there isn't yet, there will be pretty soon. Now, to be clear, what we're not saying is that randomly buying software subscriptions is gonna go out and fix everything in your business. In fact, uh, if you don't know how to navigate this world, you can actually do a whole lot more harm than you can good. And we're gonna get a bit into that in this episode and how to avoid making these kind of mistakes. Now, for the evolved contractors that are planning to play in this game for a while yet, this slow and methodical implementation of your tech stack is no longer an optional thing. I couldn't agree more, and this is why we brought Pierce Dormeyer on the show today. Uh, Pierce is the president of construction and utilities at EagleView. If you've not yet heard of EagleView, let me give you a great example of how tech is changing the game. So they're a geospatial software that's designed to help take estimating and project planning to a whole other level. They own and operate a fleet of over 100 aircraft that are constantly flying over the towns and cities of North America, taking high resolution aerial photos of buildings and properties. Then these photos get turned into hyper precise diagrams accurate to a tenth of a foot. Think about it. You could drive to your customer's house with a tape measure and a ladder to spend an hour or more painstakingly measuring and estimating, or you could order an Eagle View report and have all the data, images, 3D models, measurements in seconds. No human error, no drive time, and way better information to build your pricing and project plan around. That's so sick. And that's probably why over 54,000 contractors ordered an Eagle View report last year. Anyway, Pierce's background before joining Eagle Eagle View, which we'll let him explain in a second, it gives him a super unique perspective on technology's influence on the contracting industry. So in today's episode, we get into a number of really cool conversations with Pierce. Uh, We talk about how these changing consumer preferences are making technology and software a need to have rather than a nice to have as a business in the contracting space. In other words, why you gotta get going on this pretty quick or start thinking about your exit. 
Uh, we also talk about why when it comes to hiring, A players want to work with the best tools and so how good uh, how a good tech stack is dramatically going to increase your business's attractiveness to talent. And lastly, uh, he also tells us a bit about how this entire conversation is evolving over the next 10 years and the emerging tech trends that you want to be aware of as a smart contractor. So we hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as we did and let's get into it with Pierce Dormeyer. You're watching Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Hey, before we get started, make sure you subscribe to this channel. It really helps us produce all this awesome content for you totally for free. Hey, Pierce, thanks so much for doing this with us today. We, uh, we appreciate you being here and we're excited to chat. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Pierce, uh, the first thing I want to get into, you've got a really, really cool background. What you've been up to over the last two decades gives you a really unique and, and special view into the kind of the bridge between the contracting industry and the technology and how uh, tech has really influenced and changed the contracting space. So just to start, um, give us a bit of your background. Like what have you, what have you been up to for, for the last like 15, 20 years um, prior to Eagle View and, and even now in your current role? Sure. Um, well, I, I, I'm a recovering engineer. Uh, I went to school <laughs> and, uh, with, uh, came out, came out with an engineering degree in the, in the medical space actually. And, um, I took a call, um, and somehow I end up in the, in the roofing industry for 20 years. Um, but it's been great. Um, I, I started out with a little company called Elk, um, which was acquired by GAF about 15 years ago. And I was, um, I was a territory manager um, repping shingles in, in, a, in a section of Florida. And uh, I just really loved it. Um, I really loved the, uh, I love that. I love that gig. I love that company. Um, honestly, if that company were still around, I'd probably still be there. Um, but one of the things that just struck me as, as just being a really good fit was, I, I'd been used to dealing with doctors. Now all of a sudden I'm dealing with these contractors and this opposite dynamic showed up around, um, whereas you're dealing with a, a surgeon, the first thing they wanted a salesperson to do was get out of their site and get out of their office. <laughs> and it was just one of those really difficult sort of grinds, especially when you're, when you're starting out. Um, conversely, when I was in the roofing industry, I would show up and hopefully with something useful to say, some piece of information, calling on contractors. And my value was um, how often I was seen, right? And, and, and what, I could, what I could teach, what I could bring, any kind of insights. So I got this, this feedback loop, this really powerful feedback loop started to form and I realized I just really love this community. Um, so after, after, um, after I worked at, at Elk and GAF for a little while, I actually started an ad agency um, we did a lot of branding and positioning for uh, really com companies all across the industrial space, but but con construction was a big one, and um, worked in manufacturing a little bit more on the commercial side until I got into some software startups, and I did a couple of software startups, which was uh, just a ton of fun. And so I've gone from and then ultimately um, 
I ended up at Eagle View uh, going on almost 10 years ago. So I went from, a, you know, an engineer to a sales guy to a marketer to a full-blown technologist. And uh, it's been a wild ride. That's I, awesome. Very cool. I, I, we, we love talking to people like you, Pierce, because you've got a very broad and very aggregated perspective over time. There's, you know, selling shingles at one point. There's there's a there's software startups. They started an ad agency. Uh, you know, multidisciplinary would be a good way to describe it. And you've also you've also been here at a very pivotal time where you've seen a lot of this stuff firsthand. And um, that was the first question I wanted to ask you: is is like over the last ten to fifteen years, let's say, um, how has the contracting space, how has the roofing space, construction trades, broadly speaking? How has it changed as a result of the incorporation and adoption of technology? What are the big things you've observed over the last 10 to 15 years? I, I mean, it's changed a, lot, a ton. Um, you know, I would, I would go back and start by just saying 15 years ago, 20 years ago, um, it's not like there wasn't technology out in the space there, there really there really was but i would just say that you know it's in the technology world you hear this term early adopters right um you really had this extended period where the only folks that were really really engaging in that were early adopters where maybe they came from more um call it connected plugged in industries um than the one they ended up in for whatever reason you know um but um what we really what you really seen is this movement from where applying technology to your business was a you know as a nice to have and we've moved to this need to have kind of world right um think of it as it was neat now it's necessary um and you know just back in 20 years ago the way people would go and measure a structure for siding or windows roofing was you know, you'd, you'd pop chalk and you'd grab a tape measure and climb up on a, on a roof and throw that thing around and do the best you could. Um, there wasn't anything like in like aerial roof reports from Eagle View, right? There was there was a little bit of Google Earth, um, which was a very high coarse 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 and grainy, hard to really work with and get accurate measurements. Um, so that's one space where it's just a really, really simple and easy adoption. I think part of the reason why Eagle View took off was just it's really easy to easy to adopt into your workflow. But um, we, we've seen CRMs um, come into come into uh, come into play, and I would just say over the last really handful of years, um, you've seen across the entire uh, construction industry um, different different uh, CRMs platforms. Um, have, have really proliferated. And I think the technology has gotten to the point where they're easier to use. They're easier to implement. Mm. You know, you don't need a master's degree in a CIO in order to, uh, to make these things work for your business. Um, and that's, that's, that's amazing. I think the, the work is getting a little bit easier. It's easier to get to yes these days with a homeowner. Um, things like financing tools, um, have come out of the, come out of the woodwork as well. Um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a platform we're working with, um, called assured that just, that just came, came up with a way to help, help homeowners get past the, the deductible hurdle after they have a loss and, you know, creating payment plans and just making it easier to say yes, make it easier to scale your business. Um, and then I think as one of the, one of the bigger trends that's, um, that's really become per pervasive over the last couple of years, is just this. You know, using Zoom in your in your sales approach with uh, with homeowners. I mean, 
we were sitting here 36 months ago, like, I don't think any of us would have seen that. Like, we're going to go, a roofer is going to go and engage a homeowner over Zoom. Like, here's a link, right? Um, I, I don't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed it. Yeah, that, that, that piece is especially interesting from the perspective that like there's the the expectations of the homeowner have also changed quite significantly where people are used to interacting in this like way more efficient environment yeah. right like if, if 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 we needed to have a meeting like just a two-hour meeting and i said hey benji you're gonna fly for an hour two hours for us to have that meeting it would have been like a couple years couple years ago 10 years ago that would have made some that would have made sense but now it'd be like why don't we just do that on zoom and i think the expectations of the client base and the homeowner have also significantly changed in that perspective like what what they expect and the efficiency that they expect is drastically different than it was even five years ago yeah and and uh, you know i i think that um when it's appropriate um I still think that there's nothing that's better than that, that face-to-face in-person interaction for relationship building. Right. Um, I just think it's, it's that, that event has moved to the right, right. There's Mm -hmm. a little bit of qualification. There's, there's, you guys are going to determine whether you like me before I'm going to, I'm going to fly to your office and meet you. Right. And then ultimately what that ends up being is you end up having better, better and more fruitful, more productive Mm -hmm. in-person interactions, uh, when you actually get to do it. And, um, you know, it's basically someone coming back and saying, you know, you're, you're worth it. So I'm going to carve out that time because right. chances are, if it was just very transactional, I can probably figure out how to do it over zoom. Totally. I think, I think the, the biggest thing that I've seen is this consumer preferences, um, bit like really, really get to another level. And I, you, you put yourself in the perspective of a homeowner, like they're used to, um, the nice user interface from Amazon if they need to order Christmas presents, yeah. right? They're maybe they're like ordering groceries through another app. Um, they're the world has gone pretty techy yeah. over the last ten to fifteen years. There's some good, there's some bad. That's mm-hmm. a debate for another time. Um, that's its own rabbit hole, but it it kind of is what it is. And the the construction space is. Um, very, very, very quickly catching up right now. It was behind before. It was behind before. So five, 10 years ago, I would say the homeowner would be like, yeah, you know, Amazon's really great for this. My groceries arrive on time, but now that I need to get my bathroom done, my ex- I, in my mind, my expectations for like how smooth and buttery this customer experience is going to be on some level drop off, unless they have some really great, you know, contractor in their back pocket and good for them. But most people would just sort of make this mental cue. They go, ah. Eh, this is going to be a little slower. The invoicing is going to be slow and I'll need to double check it. Their communication may not be as often and as, and as, uh, as good as I want. Um, I might need to double check their work. And I, I don't want to make this rant sound like it's like it's, it's downtrodden on the contracting space. Cause it's, I, what I'm saying is now it's really, really changed. Like you, we work with a lot of these companies who have, They're very, very tech forward, to use a term I've heard from you, Pierce. They're very tech forward. Um, They show up on time. The the homeowner gets an automated message before they arrive. They get an Eagle Review report sent immediately. The quote is done on Sumo Quote, so the proposal's beautiful. All of their all of their production and operations are run through a really good CRM or project management tool. And so these contractors feel like Amazon did five years ago. And so that, I think that is happening very quickly. And if I were to try to answer that question, it's just like, 
why is it no longer a choice? It's like, that's why. It's like, because your competitors are doing it. And if you're not, um, it's going to be, it's just going to be really, really, really tough here over the next few years. Yeah. It's, it's like any other, other business in any other market, right? Like you're basically like you're in a market where you're competing with a set of competitors. And if those competitors are smarter, faster, more tech forward, mm -hmm. the way that they present and come across to the customer is stronger. The quality of delivery is stronger. Um, they're going to win. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and there's just, there's so much more to lose now if, if those things aren't in place. Like I remember in, you know, 2007, 2008, I was doing, it was like over a thousand estimates and proposals. This was in the, in, in, in the painting space. I, I ran a, like a exterior painting company, but, uh, just like over a thousand ugly handwritten proposals, estimates that would be a two and a half hour block with a homeowner where mm -hmm. I'd be out for 45 minutes doing measurements, plus drive time, plus drive time. And then I'm like asking for that much of their time going in to pitch them after, after they had them sitting for 45 minutes doing, cause I'm doing measurements. If I was still doing that, the competitors would win. They would. Yeah. They would. I remember too, like the Google Earth thing, Pierce. I remember one one time, be like, I wonder if I could just like do a street view and like try to do a quote <laughs> that way. And now I th I thought I was like Elon Musk at the time. I was like, man, that's really smart. Yeah, you and can. Then I did, you and can the just, quotes you were, do it. It's just real poorly. That's yeah, all. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Um, I tried it like four or five times, and I lost. Like, just <laughs> I just hemorrhaged money on those jobs. Yeah. Yeah. No. No doubt. I mean, look, you guys are a hundred percent. Right. We see this all the time. Um, you know, if you're that if you're the contractor that's coming in with the graph paper sketch um, and, you know, the guy the guy after you shows up with a with a sumo you know, proposal powered by some, you know, um, maybe like an Eagle View report. And half the time the homeowners are just sitting there staring at these really beautiful pictures yeah. of their house and they're just already, you know. Yeah. I mean, are you going to lose some jobs sometimes? Sure. But more than, you know. <laughs> at the end of the day, you're going to get a whole lot better price. Uh, you're going to get you're going to get that professionalism dividend. Um, and, uh, and, you know, there's a reason why people are doing that. Right. Yeah. They're, they're evolving. So did you see what I just did there. <laughs> Thank you. Nice plug. Um, <laughs> Thank you. The, the I want to leave this section of the conversation on an on an upbeat note, because I have, you know, I have a tendency to be a little doom and gloom. Um, the good news is for listeners, the ease of use part of this equation mm -hmm. has gone up equally. And that's something that Pierce said a second ago. You don't need a chief technology officer to run this stuff. These platforms are user friendly. They have amazing support staff. The end product is pretty intuitive and, and easy to apply. So whether we're talking about, you know, Eagle View for getting your, your reports. We're talking about a CRM or project management tool. We're talking about QuickBooks to manage your accounting um, or wh whatever else it is you, you may need in your tech, stock, tech stack. Chances are it's, it's not as intimidating or as scary a project as it was 10 or 15 years ago. This is, it's, I'm not saying it's simple. I'm not saying you can do it in one afternoon, but the resources and the help and the guides and the YouTube videos and the, like, mm -hmm. it's all there for you. You don't need to like be able to code in Python to do this. Um, so don't like, if you were afraid before, maybe, maybe don't be now is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, I would, you know, just to jam onto that just for a second. Um, you ever heard that term 12 o'clock flasher? <laughs> yeah. I'm a little older than you guys, right? People but, can't set you know, clocks. back in the day when there were those, those archaic devices called the VCRs, 
Um, you know, you used to have as soon as the power went out one time, that 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 the you know the the clock on it would just flash twelve forever, right? And nobody nobody knew how to change that 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 clock, right? That clock for my entire childhood was flashing twelve, like one hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Um, and the reason reason for that is is that just the the tech and the usability just wasn't there. No one no one would go and invest the four hours to figure out how to actually make it not say twelve o'clock. I mean, I'm sure there's some people that are offended right now, but that's just what it is. Um, you know, so that same VCR was flashing 12 for the first, you know, 18 years of my life. Yet um, I pretty much only communicate with my mother who's in her 70s uh, through text on her iPhone. Right. So it's not like so I always get this. I, I hear this all the time and it drives me crazy about, um, you know, tech contractors won't embrace technology. You know, they're they're just they're just. You know they're 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 just not going to embrace technology because they're they're not the you know the kids the geeks whatever and that's not true it's it's not true at all it's just that the technology hasn't been good enough right the user usability has sucked so people won't won't invest that kind of time and then you know there was this whole revolution around usability which was kind of led by Steve Jobs and that that iPhone right and that one button and it changed everything and it set that standard and now. Everybody from homeowners and building owners all the way up the value chain just expect um, expect us to be able to to meet them on their on their chosen field of play and use the tools that we can use in order to you know get the job done efficiently. So that's just that's that's what what our charge is right is is yeah. if if we're not getting the adoption it's not it's not our customer's fault right it's just because mm-hmm. we didn't build the build the product well enough. Thousand yeah. percent, thousand percent. So. Um, Given all, given everything we just kind of discussed, um, uh, it's, it's no longer optional. What do you think contractors stand to lose if they don't sort of get with the times? Like if someone is, and I don't think many of our listeners are, are this type of this type of business owner. But if you're really like a staunch old schooler and you're going to do that from from now to the end of time, like what do they stand to lose? Um, and do you have any? examples of sort of early adopters or late adopters that might add some color to that? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, well, you know, what do you stand to lose? Well, the one thing that you can't, you can't get any more of, um, is time, right? Hmm. So if you value your time and what you can do with that, that, that time, then, I mean, that's the, that's the main thing that you should be, you should be thinking about. And really, if we're talking about software, or really any kind of efficiency, any kind of solution, um, really that's what they're selling, right? They're selling a, an automated process that gives you more time to do other things with. And that, that can mean different things to different people. It can, it can mean that, you know, you can scale your business faster. You can make more money. You can do more with less. It also could mean that maybe you don't have to do as much and you can take that time and put it somewhere else, like your family, right? So I think it's really important to keep that in mind. That's the number one thing. Um, but you know, you're ultimately, you're going to lose, you're going to lose sales. You're going to lose customers. Um, you're going to lose employees. Um, you're going to have a, have a diff, more difficult time, um, uh, engaging in the workforce, engaging with the workforce challenges. I mean, you've got, you know, salespeople now that are used to using tools like sumo quote. And if you're looking to go and expand into a market and hire somebody, um, they're going to be a whole lot more, um, difficult to bring on board unless you have the, uh, you know, the right stack that they can go out and do their job with. 
So yeah, I could keep going on for for yeah. <laughs> for hours about this topic. I, I love the point you made at the beginning there of like the time is the ultimate finite resource. Like you can't get back any of it. And and I think the important thing to also realize is that you lead a team of people, right? So there's there, there's there's the fact that you have a, a finite amount of time, but so do all of your staff. And I mean, ultimately, your job as a leader is to lead your people in the most efficient way where there you're able to deploy the resources of their hours and their days in a manner that's as efficient as possible. And when I think of even our, our business now, because of the technology that we've we've implemented in, in all aspects of it, in all departments, we're so much more efficient. Not just me, but every individual in the organization is so much more efficient in the way that we we communicate like the the speed of our work is just so much faster because of technologies. So yeah, I, I think there's there's a huge multiplier effect. It's safe to say you're, you're you're not saving your own time. That time proliferates and multiplies through your entire organization. And the more complex it gets, the higher the cost of not doing this is. It's one thing to do things pen and paper if it's you and a helper, but if you've got any sort of org chart developing, the idea of not having this becomes pretty painful. And I would agree with you. Like our, our output as a team has it's tremendous. We've got we have tools for everything making these little flow charts communicating through slack when we need to we need to track a certain metric for our marketing thing we have something for that and it's all then you get LastPass, man don't let me start on LastPass. i'm a, I, I love LastPass. people hate it but i think it's great and you have access to all of it because your, your your passwords are, are stored it's it's a cool feeling when you have this stuff it's a little bit um maybe this is kind of silly but it it does feel a little bit it, like it's the business version of having one of those exoskeletons when you can like, you know, you like you hop into that big machine and go to battle. It's like in, you have these business tools, these business weapons that you can use and deploy really, really easily. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. Um, you know, I think you asked me too. you asked me, um, you were, you were, uh, you know, some stories about some early adopter mm. kind of customers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to touch on that point, there's one of the, one of the most, one of the one of the coolest ones I've heard was uh, you know before the days of Eagle View, um, a great customer of mine um, runs a really 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 large roofing company um, out west, and he recognized that you know the particular um, architecture, the prevailing architecture in these areas, you know big steep pitch roofs, and it was taking a really long time for people to even to hire people that wanted to climb up on these roofs and measure roofs and get all this stuff done. And he developed a competitive advantage and he, he, um, he recognized that he could do better than everybody else and do quotes faster and be more professional if he could just get more roofs measured. So he went to climbing gyms and he would hire these guys that are just not afraid of heights and they'll just scurry right up a ladder and then, you know, taught them how to measure roofs. And then, then Eagle View came along and the way he tells the story was now all of a sudden he just had to give an address and then we would just, we, we, we made his, made all his rock climbing guys kind of obsolete sort of, sort of overnight. But it was one of those things that as soon as he saw another trade-off for time and, and a competitive advantage, it was just immediately jumped to it. He's like probably the, the, the best example of an early adopter for everything I can think of, um, uh, that I know of, um. But I mean, he's the guy that I go to for tech advice. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting way to look at it. Hey, a trade-off for time. So, like, where when you look at like where your people spending time when there might be a better way to do that, right? Like, we 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 the, the word sumo quote came up a couple times. Like, how can you produce 
better looking proposals that will engage more efficiently and are way faster to produce? How do you communicate through company cam as opposed to in way more old school ways with a ton of phone calls? How do you track stuff effectively in one centralized system like Job Nimbus or Alaman or whatever it might be in your industry um, rather than a huge volume of emails or, or conversations? Right? It's an interesting way that I like that word like trade-offs for time. One of the things I really admire about a lot of our, our partners in some of these products and platforms um, like, like yours, Pierce, is like you guys are very upstream thinkers. Um, and by that, I mean uh, versus, a, like versus a downstream thinker. So it's like instead of getting better at solving the problem that keeps occurring, you're just like, let's go back a couple steps and let's just let's solve the problem before it happens. So it's like you you can get extremely, extremely skilled at in your example, climbing, climbing up. up ladders and measuring roofs and like and pumping the numbers out and then you get sharper pencils and faster calculators so that you can do it or you or you can just be like like what if we just didn't have to do this all together? Is there a way to solve that? And I think, you know, we'll do another episode on upstream thinking another day, but there's something there for business owners. It's like, what are you constantly having to do that is probably not worth your time? And when you do it, you you as an owner, you're like, this is this is beneath me on some level like this is yeah. not like i'm an and it's, it's not about like a privilege thing or an ego thing it's literally like a time efficiency thing you're like i'm doing this mundane task this this rote process this really simplified thing why am i doing this if you're asking yourself that there's probably a tech product out there that can yeah. fix it and if there isn't maybe that's your next million dollar idea yeah why yeah, have i handwritten my 14,000th proposal. <laughs> so I'm writing the same thing every single time. We're going to clean up at the end of the job and we're going to do this. And it's like, oh my God. So sorry, Piers, what were you saying there? No, I was, you're, you guys are hundred percent right. I mean, there's that, there's that overused somewhat phrase though of, um, you know, people get in the habit of, of trying to invent a faster horse. Right. And right, we right. should be really working on the automobile. And that's the case. And, and these things are across our, our lives everywhere you look and you can't always do something about them, but we, we really do try to kind of take a step back and say, Hey, what if, what if we were just thinking about this, this, uh, this all wrong? And we call that, you know, kind of breakthrough thinking. Yeah. Yeah. The, the last couple of years have been especially interesting from, uh, like a COVID perspective. How has the, that phenomenon shifted the world of business in the contracting space? Wow. Um, this is a big one. There's, there's, I don't even think we have fully um, come to terms with how the world's changed because I think we're still kind of in this change um, as, as, I, as I sit here, as we sit here. Um, in a lot of ways, the, the presence of COVID, you know, specifically with um, people, more people being working from home, uh, it's put a lot more focus on the home and in a lot of ways it's been pretty good for the business frankly um you know i've got a got another contractor buddy of mine who's just been talking about how um his sales um closing ratios are through the roof these days um because he's not doing as many one-legged sales calls anymore like mm -hmm. mom and dad are home but they're working in separate sides of the house at their job um, and it makes it makes it much more efficient to go and get stuff done. They're also spending more time at home <laughs> and the things that that annoyed them, like those remodeling projects. I know I did a few big ones um, yeah. over the last two years. You're, you're, you're there all the time instead of 
commuting back and forth to an office and spending, you know, 10 or 12 hours at the office. So things are, things are getting under your skin and you're, and you're changing them. So, you know, our painting customers and our remodeling customers and, and, you know, across the board, people are just spending more money in, on, on, on homes because you're spending more time in them. Um, so I think that's added quite a bit of, of demand that was certainly there. It's nascent, but it's brought it, it's brought it to, um, it's brought it front and center. And I think the macroeconomic factors um, are also playing a role here. You know, interest rates are all time lows and they're going to, they're going to definitely notch up over the next, you know, 12 to 18. But I, I think we're going to be in a rate compressed environment where, you know, mortgage refis are, are going to happen a lot. People are going to have that, that extra cash to, uh, to do work. You know, on the flip side, we've also had to start engaging, um, homeowners and building owners in different ways. And we talked about it earlier um, about, you know, virtual selling. It really doesn't matter, you know, what you, how you want to sell, right? right. It's, I've heard this whole idea of, you know, I'm just not going to do that because it's uncomfortable. And uh, I'm just do so much better when I'm at the kitchen table, educating the homeowner and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, but you know what? It's not up to you. Because right. guess what? My my wife doesn't want to get educated about ridge vents. I mean, I love ridge vents. Don't get me wrong. But she's not going to want to hear the, the you know, 90-minute spiel. Um, she's going to want kind of, kind of, you know, bottom line up front. And then you're going to have the ability to hook them. But you're going to have to be able to do that with multiple different types of media because the environment's changed. That's, mm -hmm. that's about where it's at. I think um, on this COVID boom thing, it's a really interesting – I don't know – I'm sure some other, you know, podcasts or speakers have come out and said it, but because cause certainly most, I think most business owners feel it, but, but this has been very good for the demand side of the equation mm -hmm. for these businesses. Like that, that should be said explicitly. And you, the, so you mentioned low interest rates. Um, you mentioned people be physically being in their homes, looking at stuff more than they were before because of lockdowns. The other thing that you didn't mention is you've taken away a lot of the recreational, a lot of the food and beverage, a lot of the tourism activities that you would be doing that would take those dollars. And then there's been the stimulus. It's like, you know, some estimates say 22, some estimates say 40% of the like entire USD money supply got printed in the last 18 months. So you like have all these factors. Talk about pent up demand on one specific industry. Most contractors are going like, I'm just like, I don't even know what to say anymore. Like, it's like the, the phone keeps ringing. It just doesn't stop. And we'll talk about, we'll talk about the, the flip side of that equation, which is like, how do you keep up with it? How do you build a team? We're, we're short on bodies uh, in, in a lot of this, a lot of the sectors. So that's, that comes at a cost too. That's its own set of problems. But this COVID boom thing is really, really real. Um, and I think I want to dovetail on your second point there, which is about like the, it, ultimately it's like what the homeowner wants you you can say that hey you know i've got this i'm really good in person and i really connect with the customer and i bring them a coffee and we build rapport and we we talk about fishing trips and i get to, i really get to know them and then i understand that and it's like i i grew up on that okay like i like that's where most of my sales chops comes from i know how awesome in-home selling can be it's fun i get it and i and i don't want to knock it because i think it's still going to be a very relevant thing for the future but I just want to emphasize the point. It doesn't, no one cares. Like that's what you like. And if, and if, and if I don't want to spend the two hours doing 
that and I'd rather you just do me uh, a 30 minute Zoom call estimate or maybe further into the future, I'm just like, send me a loom because I, I, I don't even want to be live. I want to see an automation. I want to see a recording. It, being very, very customer centric and adapting mm -hmm. to what they want and need is I, th is I think a mindset that the new school contractor fully, fully gets that the old school doesn't. And that's where this, this gap just keeps widening. It's such a good point, Benji. The uh, one thing that really comes to mind for me, like the world of 15 years ago was different in so many ways. But one way is like we do, I think, objectively speaking, live in a more abundant time. People oh, sure. have more money and more time than they did even 15, 20 years ago. And the desire to live a more like full life and a full lifestyle is broader. And a part of that is probably related to the to influence of social media. But People care a lot more about their lifestyle and how fully they live their life. Hugely. Hugely. Hugely, hugely. Yeah. yeah. And and speaking of being customer centric, like do they do they want to be sold to the way that they did many years ago? Probably not. Right. And um, and I think that especially from a technology perspective, it is it is important to be to be mindful of 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 what of the customer's needs first and foremost. That change may be good for society. It may be bad for society. We can debate the philosophy. And outside <laughs> yeah. of this podcast, we do. This is what we talk about over a beer all the time. Yeah. Like, where, where are we going as a society? For sure. But if you're looking at it this purely through the lens of like, what is the best practice for the business? It's you do what the customer, you do what the customer wants. Yeah. You make it really easy for them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You, you, that's exactly what it is. You make it as easy as possible for them to buy from something from you. And, you know, it certainly changes depending on whatever service you're selling, right? Um, now, if you're, doing, if you're doing interior remodeling and you're doing something that somebody actually wants to spend money on, like the, 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 the pool remodel that I just did, chances are I'm going to want somebody there. I'm going to want to see textures. I'm pretty excited about it. But if you're talking about replacing somebody's weathered wood shingles with more weathered wood shingles, I mean, there's several hundred things that that homeowner would rather spend their money on than the weathered wood shingles. It's like, like I'm in pain and I'd like you to remove the pain as soon as possible, right? And that's kind of just, just keeping that front and center is, is, is important. And chances are you're going to have that opportunity. You're going to end up on site and you're going to have that opportunity to upsell them in person if sure. provided that you handle yourself. Um, properly on the first engagement so yeah it's, it's an interesting way to look at it is like you sell multiple times right um versus like before you'd be like you've got your one sales opportunity you go in there the the world of technology and how while we can how well and how efficiently we, we can communicate with not just a customer but the prospect all the way through you're really selling in so many different steps just through digital touch points right mm -hmm. um so Piers, i want to move move forward and ask you this question so uh, you obviously have uh, a really neat view from up above and into the, this whole technology landscape. Hypothetically, if you were starting a contracting company, roofing or, or otherwise, um, what would be some of the go-to aspects of, of the business, like, like uh, called departments or, or aspects of the organization where you would be really focused on implementing technology and, and what types of tech uh, would be really front of mind for you to, to, to choose wisely and to implement well. Yeah. So the, boy, this is a big one. <laughs> um, you just asked the nerd, like the, uh, you know, their, <laughs> their favorite episode of Star Trek or something. Um, 
So, you know, I, I think front and center, I kind of think about the world in a couple of different ways. I think about the world in terms of, you know, sort of your operational, your hard costs, and then your soft costs, you know, your, your costs of, of uh, acquiring leads and, and, and selling, selling projects. Um, but I'll tell you just a couple of key, key things to think about is, um, you know, the front end side of your business, managing that workflow to achieve something, something approaching operational excellence is super, super important. It's, it's absolutely critical that you get that, you get that nailed down. Um, the, um, CRMs are really, really critical to that, to that mission. And there's, there's a lot of things that go into selecting the right sort of platform that you can then build off of. And it really goes into what is, what is your main function? What are the trades that you're working in? What are the areas you want to expand into? Um, if you're a remodeler or are you a pro roofing contractor? Are you a siding guy? Um, are you trying to get into solar? What are those things that, that you need to be able to, to work with? And, those same questions show up in adoption issues if they're not if they're not handled at the beginning. So, so I get the appropriate CRM, and which one I chose I choose would be dependent again on on what am I focused on. And again, think about insurance work and how you're working with things like Xactimate or Simbility, and how you're how you're going to negotiate supplements and 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 whatnot, and how that's different from a very retail retail market, right? So. So that's one area, and, and I think that's a that's a really important important space, you know, um, on the measurement and estimating front. When you're that's where you're really going to impact both both your soft costs, your selling costs, as well as your operational costs. You know, um, you know, Eagle View is useful, and 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 there's there's other tools that really help you get the measurements right at the beginning, so that you don't end up working with bad data from the start, and then those those inaccuracies, as you guys probably know and have felt in your life, really add up. We talked about, you know, painting off of Google Street View and losing your shirt. Like you miss you miss a two squares of of of, uh, of roofing on the on the front. Like that's just where the nightmare begins. Right. Yeah. And you right. got it. You've got a hole. You're carrying that the whole way down. So, um, you know, preparing the proper estimate, making sure you you're 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 grabbing all of the right the right costs. Um, also really important that's this kind of idea of total quality management and and really building that into your process up front carrying it all the way through um if i'm going into business i'm i have a, a real sharp eye on um the marketing side of things um mm -hmm. i'm hiring i'm hiring content strategists which are easy to come by because everybody wants to be one right yeah. um they're not particularly inexpensive, but they're important. Um, you would be investing in tools like Hootsuite so that you're able to manage manage your posts across many different social media um, outlets. Um, and candidly, I know I'm, I'm hearing people that are driving down the road in their, in their trucks and they're just like, I don't do that social media. Well, guess what? I don't have a Facebook page. I got social media going all the time for the business, right? You have right. to. It's right. not a choice anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's not just neat, it's absolutely necessary at this point. So um, you're also looking at where you're getting your leads, right? Um, there, is, there are days and there, there's, still, there's still a strong case to be made for direct mail, um, largely because people have stopped doing a lot of it, so it's, it's hitting. But there's, you know, really understanding who are you marketing to and what are the tools? There's a lot of AI out there. 
and and services popping up that enable you to better qualify the homeowners that you want to reach before you start your social ad spend and that's hugely beneficial from an ROI perspective though that's across the the course of a year that's like adding a salesperson right mm -hmm. to your business um so just because you understand just a, the audience just because you understand who you're trying to communicate with rather than blindly spraying and praying yeah, I mean, you're, you want to market to a, a zip code and you got pick the number 20,000 and just being able to fact, you just filter out people that are renting and, you know, certain income brackets that match maybe, maybe what your, um, you know, what your target, your, what I think um, you would call your ideal customer profile is. Yeah. Have you even d defined what your ideal customer profile is? Do you, do you really feel like you know that person and then targeting your marketing appropriately, uh, both from a content and design perspective, as well as a distribution and deployment perspective. Uh, there's a lot of tools. And I, I guess before I just keep going long-winded on this particular topic, um, there's there's one thing that, there's one light bulb moment that, I, that we have a lot of times when I'm dealing with, with contractors. And this idea that you're not just selecting one tool, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're operating a stack right? That's the geek word for it. You're operating like a sales stack. There's a marketing stack. There's probably an ops stack. And that is, that, that's just a set of, that's a set of software tools that speak to each other. They integrate. Um, you know, you're going to want, if you're operating job Nimbus, job Nimbus plays really nice with Eagle view and it plays really nice with sumo quote. It plays really well with company cam, which are all really critical tools for, for you to operate that, mm -hmm. that business. So, it's not like you're just picking one, you know, you might implement one at a time right, to make sure that it's working for you. That's the best practice, but you're really thinking about what are all the things that need to work together in my business in order for me to achieve that flow, automate, reduce errors, and ultimately find that on the other side in the, in the form of profit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you, you're saying like, you don't want to have to waste a lot of manual time stitching the data flow back and forth between, between these tools, right? Like the, there's a lot of efficiency that can be had where if like where data can flow through where like that quote, that, that proposal that's, that's, that's generated in sumo quote is stored in the CRM automatically. Right. Pierce calls it playing nice, which I think is the right the right phrase. Yeah. When they don't, when your when your little tools don't play nice together, it's a it's not a good situation. Um, I'll just make a comment on that on on this piece. Uh, we were kind of talking about how do you prioritize? How do you pick the right one? One, I'm just kind of speaking from experience doing, you know, north of a thousand assessments over the last few years. Uh, there's a very common situation which is. I, you know, I went to a conference or I worked with a business coach or I talked to my buddy and they said, or I heard that I needed a CRM. So then I Googled CRM and I did a demo and I got one. And like, I think I got co-construct. I think I got builder trend. Or maybe we're using LMN or we're using job Nimbus or whatever. And, but we're not really using it. Like it's been a year and we're like, I'm, we're using, we, mm -hmm. we're kind of dabbling with 10% of its functionality and it's costing us you know, a thousand bucks a month or whatever. Um, and so there's a, uh, you could say it's, un it's underutilized a lot of the time. And um, I, think, I think my comment on that would be like, <clears throat> for those of you listening and, and you're maybe, um, n n you don't have it all in place, but you want to, and you, this, is, this is a direction you want to go as a business owner. 
just av- avoid the tendency to think of technology as a sort of blanket statement cure all for all. Just because you like go and do a demo with one company and and on and onboard mm-hmm. doesn't mean that your business now runs perfectly. It's it's not just like a simple box yeah. that you like check. I have a gym membership. Ha- <laughs> yeah, like I totally like I ha- so I, I yeah I have a YMCA pass, but why do I still look the way I do? It's like that's that's a great question. <laughs> um, probably an overshare there, but. You know, like the, you, you get what I'm saying, right? Like, don't because you, you can end up on what I would call the the dreaded like technology carousel where you you on you get one and then it doesn't really work, so you get on another and then that doesn't really work, and then you go try another and that doesn't really work. It's like slow down. Ask you. I'm gonna. Ask, I want you to talk about the Zoho implementation we just went through because there's some learning there. Like, slow down. Ask yourself some questions as a business owner. Who are we? What do we do? What are our core functions? What are we really good at? What are we not so good at? Where is there a potential fit between our needs and a, and a, and a piece of software? Who in our team is going to be responsible for delivering this and getting it, getting it integrated and training the rest of the team? How are we going to hold ourselves as a business accountable to actually using this tool that we pay for rather than just like thinking that it's going to be um, this, this magic pill that we take and all of a sudden our operations are smoothed out or all of a sudden our marketing is fixed. It doesn't work like that. These are tools and you, you get out what you put in. So yeah. slow down, ask yourself some questions, go for a walk, do some reflecting, know your identity as a business and then go from there. Without doing that, I just you can you can get into a ton a ton of trouble, and we see it a lot. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Just from like we, we've gone through a pretty big implementation over the last year or so, and it's like we we really took our time, and it still wasn't perfect. But um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say a few things, but I would actually really love to throw this question over to Piers, just in terms of like how he looks or how he would look at at, at the implementation of, of of these things to be able to do it effectively. But yeah, I mean, I, I can look through our tech stack, which is which is pretty significant, and 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 I know very well like what we've done a better job implementing than others. But overall, um, I will say that every one of these implementations has taken way longer to do properly than, than I ever thought that it would. Like we're, you know, uh, we're close to a year and, and, and a lot of money in, into like very like little small custom development items on, on, on the CRM front. Uh, but just the amount of like research and analysis and, and training into the organization that that takes is, is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Even something as simple as, as Slack, right? Like it's such a simple application, but the way that you set it up and the way that you orchestrate your environment and the way that you train your team and it can very widely like for us it's a it's it's a fundamental piece of the way that we communicate but if it wasn't set up so methodically it wouldn't be right and if there was no like operations manual of like how we use something like that and and what it means what different channel means and channels mean and and what they are used for and not used for and all this kind of stuff um that implementation piece is arguably just as important as how good of a fit that tool is for you. But anyway, um, Pierce, what is your take on that? Like how, how would you ensure that you're implementing stuff effectively? Yeah. Don't even get me started on Slack, by the way. Um, it's (laughs) just like, we all needed another thing to check. Right. And, and keep track of, um, love hate relationship. Oh my God. Um, yeah, so I think you guys get pretty much nailed it. But when you start looking at, um, you know, implement, there's a couple points to this. When you're, when you're starting to look at implementing some kind of software change, especially if it's like a platform and, and a real kind of all-encompassing um, tool, uh, it's going to be disruptive for your business. Um, 
large mature enterprises can often spend a year in just the selection process of, of to figure out what the right the right mm -hmm. tool is, you know, it's really common when you're talking about ERPs or e-commerce backends for, 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 you know, software companies, we'll, we'll hire consultants and make sure that we're, we're right. Um, and you also naturally outgrow these things over a period of time and your business changes, and then you might need to make a change in those, in those tools. But ideally you're not doing that until, until the, you're not making a change until that, that the business changes in a material way and you have to. So again, doing your homework and then reaching out to, um, reaching out to folks who, who know in the industry, um, you know, we're always, we're, we're kind of in one of these interesting areas where we're not a, a SaaS, you know, CRM platform, but we integrate with just about everybody and, and we, we tend to kind of know what we're doing. So we're always happy to kind of help guide people or give you, give you things to think about. That's just sort of, sort of what we do. But, um, you know, picking the picking the right the right thing from the start is really important. Really understanding your business, and not just where you are now, or, or not not being uh, myopic, and because there's a, this one certain piece of pain point that's that's bothering you, and it's like if I can just get my QuickBooks integration to work, then everything's going to be magical. Well, you go fix that, and you break four other things. It didn't didn't really help help you that much. Right. So, I guess that's the that's the key thing. And the kind of last point I'd make is. A lot of, um, and I'm, I'm kind of speaking for, for myself um, and, and others to some degree and making some assumptions here, but there's a lot of SaaS software platforms that are investing a, a whole lot of money into deployment, into training, in, in configuring that, that product for your business. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, that software company's not not really any better off if you if you abandon it in four to six months right so they're not going to want to necessarily put you into the it puts you into the platform that doesn't fit your business either it's not like it's hey let's just sell you and get a new user on the books if you don't if you don't stick around and become recurring so reach out to those those tools understand you know if they're if they're seeing users leave ask them why like what's the What's the reason why those those users are abandoning, or why don't you have adoption here, um, et cetera? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you, yeah. The the big thing I'm I'm taking away from what you're saying is to really utilize them as a company and and as an organization. I think that some people see these technologies as this thing that's like in the computer and it's just this like application that's right. there. No, they're like real people like smart people that that work at these companies if you, if you call them you could probably talk to someone in five yeah. minutes yeah yeah like they're, they're, there's people there exactly and 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 they're people who have their where their job is is to help you implement that's all they do yeah yeah, yeah we have a we have an entire team that that's really all they do they're not right. there to yeah. sell you anything they're there to you know understand like where we can get a little bit better and what do you have in hangups with and how do how do we get our tool to speak to the other thing that you're working on and a lot of times contractors will build their own stuff right because they can't find something that that um, scratches the itch and sometimes depending on what you do and depending on what that business is that could be the right solution for you and there's we can help with that path too yeah. Yeah, and uh, just from from our vantage point, like we work with with an amazing set of approved vendor partners in 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 different aspects of like different technologies that are needed to run a contracting company really well, and 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 I can tell you that that the quality of these teams is really really strong, mm. and there's a really nice nice kind of alignment towards the goals because they make money by you being a recurring customer, a successful customer on their system. 
Um, so that's what they want you you to be. So that that that's why these the, these customer success teams exist. So so you, um, definitely definitely use them. Um, that's good. Because I want to ask you this also as well. Like um, a huge topic right now. Uh, we talked about how the this industry is is booming so much from from effects of, of COVID and and otherwise, um, and 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 as a result, attracting talent is is a huge topic. Uh, what have you seen, like companies that have implemented technology really well for for efficiency purposes and other reasons, but they've they've, they've done a really great job with this? Um, how does it make it easier to attract great people? Yeah, so. Retaining and acquiring talent is it's probably the toughest problem that we face uh, broadly mm-hmm. and uh, maybe as an entire economy, um, because this is just the this is a real thing. And it's 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 the supply of talent is not keeping up with economic expansion. Um, so mm-hmm. if you don't have a strategy here, you're going to need one because um, I don't see this getting any easier. But I'll just tell you one thing that's, that I, I think has been um, just incredibly powerful is there was a time when, you know, just let's talk, let's just talk salespeople right now, because I know a lot of folks are listening to this podcast because they're really thinking about how do I grow my business? How do I scale my business? And, you know, in order to scale your business, you need to run more leads, you need to hire more salespeople. And there was a time when if you're in the trades, um, you know, roofing is a really good example because we know a lot about it and it's just, there's a lot of complexities with roofing makes it pretty difficult, but, um, in terms of measuring roofs and estimates and all that, but there was a time when you go hire a salesperson and you got to train them for a number of months and you got to teach them construction and you got to teach them what a gable is and what a dormer is and how to account for this and how to apply this waste factor and how to do all these things before you can actually go and create some estimate where you're not going to, you're not going to lose your ass on, on, on at the end of the day. Right. Um, and now as I just kind of look at the tools that are out there, these have largely been solved and now you don't need to go hire somebody with experience. Mm. I mean, you can hire, you can hire somebody right out of high school. That's, you know, really engaging and who's going to, you know, uh, be super effective in front of, in front of a a homeowner. Uh, You've got this entire population of people now because you can press a button, you can get the measurements. It's going to have a waste factor that's applied based on an algorithm, which means you don't need to know anything about architecture or, or, or those, Mm. those details of a roof. All you need to do is just hire somebody who maybe, can go and engage a homeowner or building owner and just sell a prospect service, no different than any other service. And of course there's, 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 you're going to pick up things and those people are going to gain that experience. You're going to get even more effective, but you just increased your pool just by using, using technology and automating some of this stuff that, that used to be just months on the ground in, in, in those settings, right? It's expanded your pool. So I think that's one of the, one of the big, one of the big issues. The other thing is, is just, as we see, um, you know, just focus on that same role, but you could expand it to, you know, a general manager, another one of those key roles that you need to fill if you're going to expand your business. And you go and take a, you take a GM that was working somewhere else and you're going to have them open up a new office for you. And they're used to operating on job Nimbus, right? And they're used to having these tools to manage the finances of the business and manage their leads and everything else because they're focused on that P&L. And then you kind of put them back in and you're saying, hey, well, 
we've got this Excel spreadsheet that we've been working on off of for the last 14 years. And this is the file cabinet that we use over there in the coffee. Yeah. You know, it's like, do you think that, do you think that GM is going to come work for you? Um, so totally. that's, you know, it's, everything's changing again. It was at one point in time, all these things were neat and, and now they're just, they're just necessary. That, yeah. that point that you just made is so, uh, it's so good, the widening of the talent pool that this creates, right? Because you'll hear this a lot. You have people, talked about this in other episodes, but people being a little bit too insistent that, hey, no, I need someone with like five, 10 years experience minimum. And it's like, no, you don't. Like you've had the ad, you've had the ad up for six months and nobody's applying. Like how, how badly do you need them to have 10 years experience? Because, you know, your business needs somebody to do this probably more would be my stance on it. And I think what you said about giving them the tools to collapse those learning timeframes, you get an Eagle, Eagle view report. You don't need to spend a year learning about pitch and gables and like all this stuff. It's like, yeah, that's a yeah. huge point. The other mm -hmm. thing that's even bigger is a players want to play for teams that stand a chance at winning. It'd be like, if you're a GM for a hockey team and you, you play in a competitive league and you're trying to bring on the best players in your town and you take them to the rink to the first day, the skates are 10 years old and dull. The hockey sticks are broken. The lights in the rink, the arena are falling off the ceiling. You're like, Hey, we really want you to play for our team. We think we could win a championship. It's like, what no like they're gonna go to they're gonna go to the next town and play for another team i guarantee you so set your set your team up for success and this is i i think low-hanging fruit uh to do that and it's and it really really is going to have a big impact on your ability to recruit and the talent the rock star staff you say you want this is you know again this goes back to faster horses um, yeah. mm -hmm. but i got a guy i got a guy uh, runs a national um remodeling firm he won't even hire people with with experience in the in the trades. Says says they bring too many bad habits. Too hard to mm. break the habits. Can can work way faster with with uh, with somebody with experience from another industry. Wow. Um, and, and and this guy's I don't know at forty five locations. I think he's got a point. So just food for thought. Wow, very cool. Um, Piers, just to close, I want to ask you this. Um, we've talked about a lot of cool stuff. Uh, the, the experience and vantage point that you have on this topic is tremendous. Uh, from here forward, where do you see this whole world going? Like how in, in the future uh, do you see technology affecting the contracting space in the way that the smart entrepreneurs in this industry ought to think? Yeah, this is always... Uh when you're someone like me <laughs> who's supposed to have these kind of answers, this is always one of those really pl where places where I can really hang myself when I start to forecast the future. Um, um, so, but I will tell you this, that um, there are some major changes that are, that are kind of happening in our industry around um, really the soft, again, the soft cost side of things, how you engage, how you market, uh, how you attract homeowners and, you know, build your, build your brand. Um, the old ways of, you know, spending money on marketing are, are, are just changing. There's so much, um, you know, homeowners are, are so much more, um, they have so much more access to information. Um, there's a whole lot less magic in the process yeah. these days. Uh, it's much, much easier to go and, and compare prices, um, and get that, get to that information that, um, You'll see, I think, lots and lots more of this sort of, again, virtual sales is important, but ultimately just 
customers being able to get pretty far down the down the road on their own um, before they actually even need to engage engage a contractor. So, trying to trying to understand that this AI and the the dot com side of the business, the marketing side of the things are going to change, and I think a lot of it's going to be coming down to like targeted marketing and making sure that even before that homeowner even knows they need a roof. I mean, think about think about the age aging out, and even before you get to that point, you're 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 already you're already engaged. Um, so I see, I see that I see that changing. I think I think more and more automation. Um, you know, the, again, the CRM space is is certainly changing. Um, the you know the time that you would time to get to get property data of of all shapes and sizes. I mean, think like roof condition. We're already. We're already able to extract um, autonomously the you know the condition of somebody's siding and the roofing, um, kind of instantly with through machine learning and computer vision. There's just having this stuff more readily available is is what I think you're going to see a whole lot of. Um, the drone space is going to, I think, radically transform how the commercial projects are done. Um, mm-hmm. I see that I see that playing a playing a big role in, in more so in commercial than in residential. But um, some of the technology around uh, IR infrared scanning and looking for wet spots. I think um, when you're talking about painting, um, there's a ton of technology disruption that I think is going to come into that space. Um, but yeah, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of um, again things that are going to require some breakthrough thinking that that uh, we haven't cooked up yet. But mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. Yeah, so I think what we do know for certain is that uh, it's undeniable that technology will come into this space mm-hmm. more and more so. Uh, exactly how, no one can say, but but the fact that it is, uh, is for certain. And as an entrepreneur, the one thing that, that I think and that I'm really taking away from this conversation that, that you kind of need to have as a part of your tool belt is the ability to look at your business the entire landscape of it and say, where do we have the opportunity to increase productivity? And and the term that we use is these like trade-offs for time. Like where can we implement technology to be more efficient um, and to ask those questions and answer them well, to be able to evaluate technologies effectively as, as both of you guys said, and then, and then to everything Pierce was talking about to be able to implement them effectively. I think you know, we look at certain skills in the entrepreneurial tool belt, like you need to be able to understand some fundamentals of marketing. You need to know how to recruit. You need to be able to interview effectively. These are all like kind of crucial skills. Um, the big thing I'm taking away from this conversation is that the ability to work with technology, to select it, to implement it well, um, is going to become one of those. It's a language you need to learn yeah. to navigate. Yeah, I, it's, That's a great way of putting it. Um, I'll also I'll also leave you with this one, this one thought. Um, and if there's anything that you take away from, from this particular conversation, it's, is this one thought, um, and you should be asking yourself, um, am I easy to use, right? Mm. Cause usability is absolutely the key. And, you know, and think about that from the perspective of business and even you guys, right? Um, what parts of our process are painful for, for my, for my, my target, my target market for my target customer, 
Um, you know, what are you getting when, when, when customers are filling out the survey after the project, what are the areas that, you know, you suspect might be painful and how can you change? Is it your contracts or your contracts a pain in the ass to deal with? How do you, how do you, um, mm. how do you work out those friction points and just get more and more usable? Cause usability is, usability is the key. That's the key to breaking through. Um, and if you've, you've ever had the, had the desire, uh, we always talk about the, the Tesla.com and how easy it is to go buy a model S on their website. You should go and check out how easy it is to go and get a solar quote for your, for your home. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's inside of about three clicks. You can have your, your, you, you can tell exactly how much it's going to cost per month to offset your entire power bill and get a power wall along with it. And it's extremely easy to use. And the world's going to start to, our, our, our target market is going to start to expect that, right? Now, I don't know, I don't have a Tesla roof, um, so I don't know what happens after after you hit the buy button. Maybe it, maybe it slows down. I, I don't know. But, um, but I can tell you that that first impression is extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. Pierce, um, it's been a, a really, really interesting uh, conversation. We've covered a lot. And uh, one thing that we haven't yet is just, is you and, and Eagle View. So just may, maybe to close for, for listeners that are uh, that, that have heard this and, and, and found this a really compelling conversation, uh, tell us briefly about where Eagle View fits into this big mix, uh, its applications, and, and where they could learn a little bit more about it. Sure. So um, hopefully we can get my, uh, my information out through, through Breakthrough Academy to anybody who, who wants to contact me because we, we'd be happy to tell them more. But, you know, effectively, for, for those of that are listening that don't know who Eagle View is, well, what we, we operate a, a fleet of over 100 aircraft of various types, and we're constantly flying over uh, the properties in North America, and we're taking these extremely high-resolution photographs. It's really important. This is not a free satellite deal, right? It's, mm. it's, um, we, we're staffing. Um, pilots and aircraft mechanics and, and operating hangars and, and flying these these planes and from from that imagery we can create these high these um, highly accurate what we call 3D wireframes 3D models of these structures and we can dial into those 3D 3D models and we can deliver you the exact measurements for you know various attributes of the property so think of it as windows and doors and 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 siding and you know, um, and of course, roofing, which is a which is a, a big big market for us. Um, so, and we're also doing this with other weather technology platforms like drones. We're we're rolling out our assess program to the construction market as a whole. Um, that does inspections and damage identification things like that. Uh, and we have a brand new um, suite of walls and windows, doors, products that are that are also just about to release. Um, so we could certainly talk to you more about about those those uh, those those products. But the one thing I want to stress is um, we really operate based on the relationships and the feedback we get from our customers. Hmm. Uh, we've created this uh, customer advisory uh, program called Aces. Um, and effectively, what what our what our uh, our group of aces are are folks that are willing to pick up the phone and talk to our product development, our engineers, um, to uh, to help us iterate and get better at uh, becoming more usable, right? And um, you know, we're ultimately going back to those guys with with some of our our uh, our R and D and uh, trying to get feedback that we're on the right track or, or or we're crazy, and that's usually 
usually our good stuff comes from a conversation with somebody who's actually out there, you know, doing the work. So it always does. It always <laughs> does. Where, yeah. um, wh what's the website you guys on Instagram? Where, where can people find out more about you? Eagleview.com and eagleview.ca. Um, our, our, our Canada site is, uh, is launching. I think there's, there's, uh, we're just a, a, you know, a few short weeks away from, from a full, like a Canadian sort of rollout where we're going to be able to handle, um, you know, we're going to be able to accept loonies and toonies. So we're pretty excited <laughs> about that. Does a toonie still exist? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Awesome. Do they? I don't know if they're worth anything anymore. But it seems like, <laughs> it seems like this inflation man, thing has gotten crazy. They're basically like, pennies. Awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. My daughter uses dollars for Kleenex now because they're not worth anything. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, one of the things I said earlier, uh, one of the, the things I really love about, about our, uh, our vendor partners at, at Breakthrough Academy is just it's, it's great companies, but really great, great people behind them. Yeah. So, uh, Pierce, it's been such a good chat. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to, uh, to chat with us. I appreciate it. Take yeah, care. no, I really appreciate it. And it's just not me. It's, the, it's all the people behind me, man. I'm just the face. So, yeah. But we appreciate the time. Awesome. Thanks, Thank Pierce. You. Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it.